Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Welcome to the Uncommon Drive podcast with Jeff Cross and Chad Ozy. Join us as we look at life, leadership, and legacy through the lens of sports officiating. Welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Drive Podcast. I am Jeff Cross, along here with Chad Ozy. Hi, Chad. How are you doing today? I am wonderful. Thanks for asking, Jeff. Yeah, it's uh, we're in the middle of May, and summer is almost upon us, and we are going over some... Some some reading material or listening material that I uh, I come across the, or always during the off season or the training season, and um, I'm looking forward to tackling these other three subjects here. Or yeah, three topics. So we started in our last episode. We started uh, some of these quotes that Jeff had picked up, and uh, I apologize that we have not given you uh, the people that these quotes are attributed to. These are just kind of things that Jeff caught as he was listening to different things and yeah. jotted them down. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, most of, of what we're talking about is not necessarily new or, or groundbreaking information, not things that haven't been talked about by lots of different people over time. But maybe they were said in a way that just uh, caught Jeff's ear a little differently. Mm-hmm. And uh, he began to jot them down and share them with me. I then began to write them down because one of the things that we're always looking for uh, on the podcast is is content that will be usable, that will be helpful to you as an official and in your life. Uh, you know, we say all the time that we're using the lens of sports officiating to look at this stuff, but it's really about it's really about living life. It's really mm-hmm. about what kind of uh, legacy are you leaving to those around you and, and how do you lead well uh, for those people that you're trying to leave a legacy to whether that's in the world of sports officiating or out and so I, I think the things that we're going to talk about today are really interesting uh, but one of the things that you can do to help us uh, here at the podcast one of the 
the best questions that we get all time, uh, anytime we're working with somebody that listens to the podcast, they'll say, well, hey, what's what's the next episode going to be Ain't about? That a good one, yeah. Right? Jeff mentioned that to me today. <laughs> and the funny thing was, I was working a tournament uh, this last weekend with some guys, and that was their question. What's the what's the next episode going to be about? Yeah. And uh, you know what? You can tell us what yeah. the next episode's going to yeah. be about. Shoot us an email at uncommondrivepodcast at gmail.com and just say, hey, I'd like to hear about whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, let us know. And uh, I can just about guarantee that if it's within reason, we'll find a way to work it into a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Now, I can just hear the thoughts going through a couple of our listeners' minds right now about seeing if they could push that envelope. You know, they might. That yeah. I, I could I could see a couple of them doing that. So I'll say this: shoot us an email and try us, and uh, and we'll see if we can uh, if we can make that work. And then if the email come back uh, failure to send, <laughs> then you know that that subject's <laughs> out. That subject is unacceptable. <laughs> right. I, I tell you this, and I think I think you'll agree with me, Chad. But I am not a nuts and bolts kind of guy. Really? Yeah, and I'm so shocked. <laughs> so I was like, so if you're like, hey, give me the nuts and bolts on officiating 101, I'm like, I can't. I just cannot do it. Um, I'm not very good at it. Um, and, you know, Chad's good at both of these. He can do the nuts and the bolts. Plus, he can get a little bit deeper. And I'm the, you know, the whole mindset, you know, uh, philosopher, you know, all those things that kind of, but nuts and bolts, that's Chad's thing. So, so here's what anybody who's ever had Jeff as a clinician knows yeah. that Jeff's lying totally and completely because Jeff probably gives you more usable nuts and bolts stuff mm. as a clinician than just about any clinician I've ever had. He's got his, his iPad out. He's yeah. showing you where you can stand. He's showing you how you can turn. He's talking about specific things. Uh, so I think Jeff handles that nuts and bolts stuff just fine. I think he just doesn't always think of it that way. Yeah, I think he I just thinks, well, this is just what we do. Mm. Well, what we do, it, it takes the nuts and bolts, put the car together mm. so you can drive it down the street, yeah. you know? And it may be fun to look at how how shiny the car is or, you know, what the exterior is <laughs> like and all that, but you still got to have the, the nuts and bolts to, to hold the engine in place. And I think, so, yeah, I think for me, I think you're right though. My nuts, the, the nuts and bolts. Jeez, <laughs> oh, Pete, there we go. FCC, here we come. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the nuts and bolts of any sports efficient anything. I, I typically, the reason I don't think of them that is because, I'm thinking of the philosophy of why we're doing it in a certain way. Yep. You know, I don't just say we bounce the ball. Mm -hmm. I say we bounce the ball so we can create space so we can have a better visual of the things that are about to happen. That's why I don't think of them as nuts and bolts. So that's a fault of mine, I guess. So <laughs> I like it. We're going to give you one quick warning on the uh, podcast today. Uh, we are mowing the yard outside my office today. And yeah. so if occasionally you hear, come by, <laughs> if that happens, uh, you'll know it's because uh, we've got some uh, we got some awesome uh, young men, some uh, some college guys uh, here that volunteer their time to come do that. And so if I don't say, hey, don't come when we're recording the podcast, because <clears throat> as you know, if you have a 19 year old willing to volunteer to do anything, you just say, yes, please, whenever is convenient for you. So Chad, I have a question. Why are they mowing? Why are they mowing? Because it is so ridiculously high. But it's just you got mowed. All that's been it. done. That's all, all that's been done. <laughs> 
Why? Why is it one? That's for my son, Caleb. My son, Caleb, is one of the two guys that comes and mows. And the other one is here mowing. And Caleb was mowing for about six hours yesterday. Does he know that there's only one corner that's not been mowed yet? He's not going to re-mow what I mowed, is he? He acts like it's a corner, like it's a two-by-two corner. This this property that we're on is, I don't know, five, six acres, right? Yeah, it's about five acres. Yeah, you know, it's it's an all-day affair. So what? Let him mow some more because it's 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 days just to be able to mow this property. So, oh, so yeah, he's mowing. Stuff. Yeah, and I also want you to know that Jeff is probably the most comfortable he has ever been to start a podcast because uh, we finally have found a way to put his microphone to where he can be heard and yet see people around him. I've never seen him so giddy in my life. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, Christmas time. I think I did one in Christmas time. I was pretty juiced up, you know, but yeah, Chad's right because the, you know, these microphones, they, they're like little robotic arms. It can go just about any way you want them to go. But for whatever reason, see Chad, if you can visualize his mic goes up and down. Okay. And he they has call it a, vertical. Yeah. Vertical. He's in a vertical position. Oh, Mr. High Education over here. <laughs> And his goes up and down and he can see right across, you know, and for whatever reason, I put mine vertical and it looks like I'm looking through prison bars. I got wires and everything and I'm cross-eyed looking at trying to look at Chad. So he's he's convinced me that to try this way, which would be parallel. There you go. But it's not quite 100% parallel, but it's Correct. I have a clean vision of Chad. So that way... When I see that he likes to, as we air quote, push back on some of my thoughts, <laughs> we can. I, I know what he's. I know what he's pushing back on. So. Oh, folks! I hope that you have half as much fun listening to this as we have putting it together, and uh, looking forward to these topics today. So, Jeff, let's dig right in. Um, our last episode, we talked about three quotes that you gave. We've got three more quotes for today. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one that I have for you. Confidence is your greatest ally. Fear is your only enemy. Why yeah. did that stick out to you? Well, I, I, I re, if I, when I hear that quote, I automatically think back to almost, it might have been the first couple episodes that we did. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying, I've fallen in love with failure. Mm-hmm. I've fallen in love with it. Um, when I hear fear is our biggest enemy. So many things we've lost out on the opportunity of trying for fear of trying. Mm. And it becomes our enemy. When, you know, maybe we're not, maybe whatever you're doing, if you're an accountant or if you're a plumber or HVAC guy or whatever that might be, if your fear of trying something else and maybe that's what you should have been doing, that is your biggest enemy. You know, that's where I, to me, that's the big, best part of that quote is, you know, I can't be fearful to try things. Yeah, I may fail. I may struggle at it. I may actually be no good at it after some time. But one thing I know for sure, most everyone, if they continue to do it, will be better eventually. If I look back even at our first podcast, you know, we're whatever 50-some episodes or 40-some episodes in. Um, if you look at it now compared to what it was then, it's way better, mm-hmm. you know, and that's sure. just just from us doing it. And if we wouldn't if we would have had fear of like, oh, what if it's no good or what if our content's no good, where would we be? Yeah, and there may be some of you listening right now that go, Well, hey, it's still no good. <laughs> That's all right. We're we're having a blast today. You know, at first, Jeff, the the pushback that I wanted to have to use uh, your air quotes comment. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, the pushback that I wanted to have on this quote 
was where uh, it says fear is your only enemy. You know, I mean, mm. I, I get the confidence is your greatest ally, yeah. right? Um, now, I think confidence doesn't just come from a a, a personal sense of self security or bravado or anything like that. I think our confidence comes from rules knowledge. I think our confidence comes from knowing our mechanics. I think our confidence comes from great crew communication. I think all those things are a piece of that because if I, we've said this over and over, if I know what the definition of a travel is, I can be confident in calling a travel. Mm -hmm. If I have to go, oh, that looks like a travel or, oh, it doesn't look like a travel, well, then I'm not confident making that call. Now Mm -hmm. I'm second guessing myself, right? So, so I get that confidence is our is our greatest ally when we go to do that. And I think there are all those other elements that that play into that. But at first when I heard when I heard the quote, I I didn't like the statement that fear is your only enemy. Because I think, man, there's so many other things that push back against us. There's so many things that make it difficult. But then when I really began to think about it, I think so many of those things can be then distilled down to fear, right? Mm-hmm. I'm okay. Well, part of my enemy is is that I I don't know the rules as well as I want to know the rules, right? Well, maybe it's fear of really digging in and and can I learn well enough? Can I can I know as much as a Jeff Cross does or know as much as a whoever, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I I think that's part of it. I think when it comes to our coach communication, so much of that comes down to fear. Am I going to say the right thing? Am I going to say the wrong thing? Um, I had a guy this last week, um, who was trying to communicate with the coach and he used really bad language to communicate something. He chose to use his version of what the rule should be rather than using rule book terminology. Mm. And it blew up in his face big time. Mm. Right. And we talked afterwards about it and I said, okay, well, if you had used this other terminology, do you think that that conversation would have gone the same way? Oh no, like not. Okay, well let's. Why would I have used this terminology? He's like, I don't know. And so I opened up the rule book. Yeah. And I showed it to him, and I just quoted that, you know, basically verbatim, you know, what it was. And he's like, Oh my gosh, I hadn't even, I hadn't even thought about that. And it's the kind of thing where if we if we do that, if we have that confidence. That confidence helps remove our fear. What What are the things that you see as causing fear among officials? Well, I think you you know you've said that the fear is the lack of confidence. Mm, okay. Right. So the lack of confidence is is equal to fear. And how do we be? How do we have lack of confidence? We don't read the rule book. You know, our our fear is. I don't want to have to shut off Netflix in order to read the rule book. Mm, okay. I don't want to have to, you know, not pay attention to whatever sitcom I'm watching to read the rule book. I don't want to have to sh- cut my dinner short by 20 minutes to go read the rule book. And that's what our fear is. We know, we know how to be confident in the rules. That's study the rule book. But our fear is we have to give something else up in order to have that confidence. And we're, we're afraid of that. We're, we're, we're afraid that something else is going to suffer, whether that be time with your family or whether that be, oh, but now I got to get up at 5 a.m. instead of 6 a.m. because I got to study the rule book. That's our fear. It's not, I don't think it's necessarily fear of knowing the rules. Yeah, I believe it's fear of knowing 
the rule book is important and what am I willing to give up to take over that fear? Well, this isn't specific about that, but if it's okay with you, Jeff, I'd, I'd like to take a little tangent here. We'll, we'll chase a rabbit down this particular okay. path for just a second. All right. Um, uh, again, I think that a lot of times we use excuses that sound really good mm. in order to validate us, uh, us not doing what we should do. Yep. Okay. So, um, I know I need to be in the rule book cause we got a, a rule change year coming up. And so I know I need to be in the rule book so that I'm prepared for this season, but you know what? You know, I'm gone a lot during the season, so I need to make sure that I'm spending quality time with my family in the off season. So I just don't have the time to spend in the rule book that I, you know, that that maybe other people would want me to, to have. Well, you know, Chad, you don't have young kids at home. You know, you don't know what it's like to do that or whatever, right? Well, I think what happens is what we're talking about is how are we using our time? Mm. You know, for us most of us as officials work multiple jobs. There are very few sports officials where that's the only thing they do. Mm -hmm. I mean, even at the pro level, there are lots of guys that do multiple things. Yeah. You know, Jerry Davis was a major league baseball umpire for, you know, 40 years. Mm -hmm. Oh, he also owned a company on that's the side. Right. Yep. You know, mm -hmm. Right. You know, that's one company that we knew about. Yeah. You know, for all we knew, he owned other uh, storage units and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows what they did? You know, mm -hmm. I know, some people, they go, well, you know, so-and-so so is a, he's a, a college women's basketball official, and that's his only job. And what they don't know is he also has investment properties mm. on the side. Yeah. And he's, you know, day trading, and he's doing all these other things. You know, I, I think that there are very few of us that are able to just officiate. So, I would even say no one. No one just officiates. They automatically have something else that whether it's small or large, mm -hmm. they have multiple things on their plate. Sure. <clears throat> and so what that means is if we have multiple plates spinning, mm -hmm. then our time management has to be a priority. Mm -hmm. You know, for me, uh, my wife in the job that she has, one of the things that she has to do is she has to do documentation. She has to do medical documentation on her patients. And a lot of days she's not able to do that at the office. And so she's bringing home her computer and she's bringing home her stuff and she's going to sit on the couch for an hour and a half and document that night. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? I can't be engaged with her in conversation during that time because I can't be distracting her from doing that work that she needs to do. And if it's a night that I have off and I get to spend with her, I want to be with her. So the easy thing to do is sit on the couch next to her while she's documenting and turn on a ball game. Mm-hmm or turn on Netflix, or turn on whatever, right? And that would, I could say, you know what, that's a good thing, because I'm spending time with my wife, even though we may not be conversing. It's just the fact that we get to be together, right? Mm -hmm. There's something special about that. But we could be together if I'm sitting there watching video clips on my computer about plays. Mm -hmm. We could be sitting there together while I'm looking through my rule book. Mm -hmm. We could be sitting there together doing that exact same thing. But the truth is, I'd just rather watch Netflix. Yeah, right. I'd rather veg out mm. and not engage during that amount of time. Well, I guess my, I, I bet my wife would rather sit there and watch Netflix instead of engaging with her job too. Right. That's part of her job. Well, guess what? Knowing the rules is part of my job mm -hmm. as an official. You know, as you're saying this, um, it reminds me of a couple things that 
we do as a family, and I didn't even realize this until you just said it. So every year, you know, we have the NCAA test. Mm-hmm. And I go through and do the NCAA test, and I do it, and I double-check it or whatever it was. And guess what I do before I submit? I have my wife double-check my answers that I've written them in the right spot. Okay. So now we're engaged together. Mm-hmm. You know, we're spending a little bit of time together. I'm still doing my rules. You know, she's got to, you know, she don't have to really focus on it, mm-hmm. but she could still, we're having conversations and she can give me a hard time because I've said something too fast. What do you mean by D? You mean D as in dog or B as in boy, you know, those kind of things. And we can spend a half hour doing that. And then I, then I submit my test. That same thing happens when we do our schedules. When I get my schedules at the end of the year or beginning of the year, well, the, she wants to know where I'm going to be. So, she, you know, I'm a computer guy. I like everything on the computer. She likes to have hers on, you know, on a paper calendar, which is fine. So what do we do? We we go through my my schedule together. It's more time that we get to spend together, so she can figure out where I'm at, and she gets to do what she loves to do, and putting all these little, you know, my wife spends a good three weeks investigating what kind of calendar she's going to get for the upcoming year. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's a, it's a big big deal. You know what I mean? She likes that stuff. Sure. So when I give her a chance to use those calendars. Never did I think about I'm killing two birds with one stone. I'm engaging with my wife plus doing the things that I'm supposed to be doing. Um, and she's doing what she loves to be doing is putting stuff on, you know, using one of her favorite pens to write down blue or actually I think, you know, the the uh, joke should probably kill me when she hears this. But she uses green for my games because it's money. <laughs> so... <laughs> You know, Gina, but, there are officials out there everywhere going and buying their significant others green pens, green pens right, right now yeah. so that they can do that. And then it's a it's a great reminder that uh, when this goes on the calendar, yes, it costs us something because it's time apart, but it also gains us something because yeah. there's cash coming in on the back end. I actually kind of like that. Yeah. I actually had a friend who said um, set their ringtone for when the coordinator called. The ringtone was money, money, money. <laughs> <laughs> that was a ringtone. So I guess he never got in trouble. He just, you know, kept yeah. on getting more games from him. I so, like it. Yeah. You know, we we may have to have some of our first uncommon drive merch. Let's get some t-shirts made up that yeah. say, I love to use a green pen. <laughs> That's right. Green pen. Picture of a green pen on it. <laughs> That's so right. Anybody that wants one of those, send us an email. Yeah. Uncommon drive podcast right. at gmail.com. That's right. Love to use the green pen. No, that's that's good stuff. And I really believe you know, when it comes to our, our confidence, confidence comes from so many different places. You know, we said, you know, rules knowledge gives us confidence. Um, just familiarity gives us confidence. You know, your first time working through a league the first time mm-hmm. that, you know, we, we don't necessarily feel confident because we don't know those coaches as well. Or maybe yeah. a new level than what we've worked before and all that kind of thing. And so another piece that I think we need to remember there is that that confidence is not just about us. That confidence needs to be about the crew. So if you're coming into that situation and you feel great confidence, one of the first things that you need to be doing is sharing that confidence with others. What Mm -hmm. can you do to make them feel more comfortable when they hit the field or the court that night? Well, yeah, whether that's making them feel more confident or erase fear. Mm -hmm. You know, try try to erase fear on that night. Um, I've heard people say this in pregames, hey, listen, um, whatever we got, you know, Chad Ozzy on the game. He's our rules guy. So we don't have to worry about the rules. So we're trying to erase the fear of rules knowledge because we have so-and-so on a game. Mm-hmm. Or I've heard it said in 
pregames before, um, if you've never had Coach A before, Coach A is one of the most professional coaches to work for. So mm-hmm. take the, erase it. Erase that fear of whether this coach is going to like you or not because they're very fair. Those are things that we can do. Besides build confidence, we can erase fear. And we don't want to falsely erase fear, right? Don't you worry about a thing? I'm going to run really fast today. Well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's just not going to happen, you know, sure. or whatever that may be. So um, I think that's where we have an opportunity forget it's nice to build confidence but i think the best way to build confidence is to erase fear and let me take this even one step further anytime we can give coaches and players the opportunity to have confidence in us Mm -hmm. that erases their fear Mm -hmm. as well yeah you know so when you're handling the little things before the game Mm -hmm. That erases some of the fear for that coach of wondering, are, are you ready and prepared for this game? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, when you're there on time, it erases the fear of that athletic director that's worried about yeah. what's this crew going to be like tonight yeah, right. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so that even expands beyond our crew. It expands to the the rest of the people that are a part of that, that event. Yeah. You know, I mean, it erases fear when – so if I have two umpires show up to my game – and one of them walks out with their shirt untucked and, you know, whatever, throwing their, you know, got their big jug of water or whatever they're doing, right? It, they haven't built my confidence. Mm-hmm. And they've kept some fear in my, <laughs> in my head. Doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be bad or, you know, or a below average. I just, now, not, not only do I have the fear, my 13, 15 guys in the squad have the fear. Yep. And they, well, I don't understand. Well, that's, that's what umpires and referees need to understand. Those impressions that you're you're making can create fear. Absolutely. You know, and you know, this is you know, I I'm not an IHSA umpire, baseball mm-hmm. umpire. You are, correct? Mm-hmm. So is it I still my certification? By certification, by <clears throat> paperwork. Is it still protocol to check bats and helmets? No. You don't have to do that anymore? Nice. No one have to check to make sure they're BB core or anything like that. No. I remember, you know, last year for junior high regionals or whatever, they checked those bats and it just it when they did that, the it it erased fear for me as a coach that okay, all these umpires all agree these bats are legal. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? These you know, helmets are legal. Because I, I know they ask, everybody's sure. gonna probably yes. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. when they check that, it just erases some fear for me. Yeah, absolutely. So that's good stuff. All right. Question, or sorry, quote number two. And uh, I think this is one that uh, Jeff is going to spend a little time on. So mm. everybody buckle up. It's going to be a good one. Sometimes we disappoint others mm. in order to be happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is very difficult to understand that when we are disappointing others or taking the opportunity, maybe possibly disappointing others that you're still looking for the greater good of yourself. When I have an opportunity for whatever that may be, a new position or, you know, maybe a bigger game or whatever it is that I am taking the chance that I'm going to disappoint others for my advancement. Even though my family members say they want 
happy. You know, they want me to be happy. They're happy that I get more games or whatever that is. Someone is probably going to be disappointed. Someone, even my wife, my kids, my mom, my in-laws, maybe my best friend, because maybe we had, you know, date night. You know what I mean? We were going to go out with another couple and I got another game. That disappointment is going to happen in order for me to have better. I think it happens no matter what we do. Mm-hmm. No matter what. Where the struggle is, at least for me, and I believe others probably would agree with me, is we feel bad internally that we're disappointing someone that we love. Mm-hmm. We Or we're taking... Or we're, Rolling the dice that they might be disappointed. It doesn't even have to be people we love. I think to some extent, it's just people we respect mm. or have relationship with. Yeah. You know, because we hear that all the time, right? We're like, oh, well, I have I have a high school game. But I don't want to disappoint my high school signer to take the Juco game. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to burn that bridge, right? We hear that all the time. I don't want to burn the bridge. Well, we're going. if you're truly trying to improve yourself, you're going to have to disappoint others. Mm-hmm. That is all there is to it. They can either hop on board or you're going to have to disappoint them, you know, and that's a difficult thing to do because we spend a lot of time. We, we, we spend, if you're a high school umpire moving into college umpiring, you've spent, we'll say 10 years trying to build a decent high school schedule. Mm-hmm. And now you're going to have to cut it all out. You're, you're rolling the dice. that This one high school assigner is not going to be upset that you took the one college game Mm -hmm. and you take that one college game. You're so worried that you're going to lose the 10 years of credibility you have with this high school signer. Hard to do. But if that's truly where you want to be, you got to be willing to disappoint those people. You're absolutely correct. And to pair along with that, it's not just going to happen high school to college. You may have worked your way up you know, JUCO, NAIA, you know, D3, whatever, all of a sudden when you start getting a pretty solid D3 schedule, well, now you got to say no to your JUCO person a lot. And you may have been the person working the JUCO region tournament. You may be doing that kind of stuff. And now you're just not available. And and they may be frustrated, right? Because they want to use you. They want to have you involved. They want all that. but, But you can't do it because... Your your goals, I hate to use that word, Jeff. We'll say your drive, Probably your drive for yeah. your career, mm-hmm. all right, is that you want to advance. Mm-hmm. Well, if the drive for your career is that you want to advance, working a predominantly D3 schedule versus a predominantly JUCO schedule, that's a step in the right direction because yeah. now you're in that NCAA pipeline, mm-hmm. right? And I don't care what sport we're talking about, that makes a difference. And if you're working for those D3 assigners and all of a sudden the D2 assigners call, and they want to use you more and more and more. And now you're having to say no, or you're having to call that D3 assigner and say, I, I need to be released from this game because I have another opportunity. That's more difficult. And, you know, if you're in a, a consortium that has multiple levels, that makes it a little bit easier. But uh, at some point you're going to have to say, well, now, now I'm getting the D1 opportunities. And so I'm, I'm just not going to work that level anymore. Or I'll only work that level in an emergency situation. And I had a perfect example happen today. Uh, Jeff and I were talking about before we started recording. Uh, I am, uh, I, I don't have a, a college baseball game today. We're at the point of the season. We're just past 
conference tournaments. Uh, D3 regionals are coming up this weekend. And so there are some people will be working then. But for the rest of us, we're just not we're not working right now. And so I uh, I reached out to my local high school signer because I know they still have 3A, 4A baseball happening in uh, Illinois right now. As far as regular season, this will be the last week for them to have regular season games. And uh, I just know that there's a there's a need. Mm-hmm. I saw on their uh, email out this morning they needed people different places. So I shot my assigner a, a message. I said, "Hey, do you need anybody anywhere today?" Right? And he immediately said, "Give me 15 minutes, but the answer is definitely yes." <laughs> right? And Within 15, 20 minutes, he sent me another message saying, can you go to such and such a place at such and such time? I knew that it was a really good high school game. From where he was sending me this time of year, in that it's going to be a conference game, I knew this was going to be a really good game. So I responded back and I said, look, I'm willing to go work JV, freshman. You want to put somebody else on that? Like I'm totally willing to go work a different game. His response was, I need this varsity game covered. No problem. I'll go. Now, here's the funny thing. I I walked into the season with the intent to not work any high school baseball. Mm-hmm. By the end of the, if, if this is my only high school game that I work this week, which most likely will be because of my travel, um, I will have worked three high school baseball games all season. All three are better games than I had on a regular basis when I left high school baseball. When you and when that's all you were trying to work was high school. When that's all I was trying to work. That's right. Now part of that's because of where I was located. Part of it's because other things. But but now when when I come back, right? So obviously that bridge didn't burn. Mm-hmm. Even I, I don't know how you felt, but there's a lot of people that would fear that that bridge was going to be burnt because I I turned down all these high school games now. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and and. To, to say, I can't speak for you, but I feel like that's because you knew where you wanted to go. Mm-hmm. You knew it. Yep. You knew some people were going to be disappointed in you, but it was for the greater good of Chad Ozzie for his schedule and where he wanted to be in his umpiring career. Absolutely. And I had to have that conversation with my high school uh, assigner where I was heading up where I said, look, if I get a call at noon mm. that a college guy needs me that day, mm-hmm. I said, you need to know, I'm going to call you at noon and say, I can't work. So if that's a problem, don't assign me. Yeah. And I was willing to give up the schedule. Then I could have been the guy that called him back at one o'clock saying, okay, well, I didn't get a game today. So if you need somebody somewhere, I'll go work freshman and podunk Mm -hmm. wherever. Right. Then as I began to, you know, to advance, then if, if I had a rain out someplace that was, far away, but it was beautiful and sunny here. You know, my college game got rained out down in St. Louis, but it's beautiful right here. Then I'd call up my assigner instead of him getting the call at noon, being like, Oh my gosh, Chad's trying to get off the game. That stinks. Yeah. Then instead I'm the one giving him a call at noon saying, I'll fill a spot for you. If you need a spot filled and I don't care where I go and Mm. I don't care who I work with. Right. Cause I want to be, you know, I want to be helpful in that way. So I, I do think that, what we think is going to disappoint others, what we think is going to burn bridges, what we think is going to be an issue. It's understandable, especially if we're pushing, if we have that drive towards this other thing that we want to accomplish. Well, 
and I think to take this even even further is no matter what decision we make, we're probably going to disappoint someone. Sure. If we take the same the same story, and you tell the college designer, "I've already committed to this high school game," well, good news. Now you're going to disappoint the college designer. Mm-hmm. Someone's going to be disappointed. You just have to be very clear on what you're trying to achieve. Yeah. As soon as you figure that out, the disappointments come a lot easier for for you to hand out. Not that you're trying to disappoint people, but it's you're, you're okay with it because you know what what your goal is or what would you call it that uh, your drive drive your drive mm-hmm. is right. You know where it, this is. This is the direction I want to go. So I understand I'm going to disappoint people. So I'm going to go in that direction. No, I I, I like that. A the lot. hardest part is giving up that 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 ten years of investment into the high school assigner or the 10 years of investment into the JUCO assigner to go towards a division two assigner. Mm -hmm. Those that's the hard thing because you have so much time invested into it. But if you're, if you know where you want to go, it's just real simple. Well, and the other piece of that is it's an unknown. You go from being a known commodity to Mm. being an unknown commodity. And I don't just mean to other people, but to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we have a friend of ours that recently after a very long high school career, made the decision to want to work college basketball. And so went from being the guy that gets all the big games, Mm -hmm. you know, that's on all the big holiday tournaments, that's on all of that, right? Mm -hmm. And now is working JUCO games that are 40-point blowouts, Mm -hmm. you know, that aren't necessarily good games and Mm -hmm. all that kind of thing. And I know for a fact that he's taken some ribbing from guys around, oh, you're going to go work that and blah, 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 Mm -hmm. whatever. But he knows... He knows where he wants to be. He's even told me, he said, even on games like that, I'm, I'm working with officials that want to do it the right way. Mm-hmm. And people that, you know, I mean, it's, so I think that when when we know what we want to do, when we know what we're willing to sacrifice, because we're going to sacrifice either way. If yeah. I say, well, you know what, I want to stay in high school until I can work a state final. But the college assigners say, well, look, to to get more games, you're you're gonna have to give up what's necessary to get a state final. Well, mm-hmm. then guess what? I'm I'm sacrificing something. I'm sacrificing that state final yeah. in order to go work more college games. Mm-hmm. Or if I say I want to work that state final, I'm sacrificing the income that comes from more college games. Or even the three or four years experience you could be getting. Exactly. All those things. Now, now maybe my progress is stunted a little bit. Yep. Now maybe my ceiling is a mm. little lower yeah. over there because I didn't make that transition. You know, at a point when I could have. Yeah. Instead of your first year in college basketball at thirty-five, now it's forty-five because you were so involved in getting to the state finals. Mm-hmm. That's okay, but you got to realize that someone's been disappointed. That's you right. may even be disappointing yourself. Yeah. And, and that's the thing that I wanted to come back to this. Your quote says, sometimes we disappoint others in order to be happy. Hmm. Well, the flip side of that is sometimes we disappoint ourselves if, if, if we're not committed to the thing that's most important to us. Well, I was going to say sometimes we disappoint ourselves to make other people happy. Hmm. Yeah. And that's what we do. We we know in our hard hearts that I want to go work Division three basketball or whatever that might be. But I say no to that to make sure this high school assigner is not upset. Mm-hmm. And now I've disappointed in myself. But don't worry, I've made someone else happy. So it's you've got to find that clear vision. You've got to find it. And you've got to buy into it. And you've got to say, okay, 
This is what I'm doing. This is the direction I want to go until I decide to go a different direction. Sure. Right? I mean, we all do that. We all make left turns and right turns and we keep driving forward. That happens all the time. Just because you said this is the direction I want to go doesn't mean you have to do that until the day you die. Mm-hmm. It comes a time where you're going to have to pivot and, and change directions and know that you want to do that, I guess. Absolutely. All right, Jeff, uh, we're coming to our last quote of this episode. Um, you know, we hit three last week. We're going to hit three today. Um, this is one that I, I think could have us branch off a, a few different ways. Um, you, when you said it to me, it was it was really impactful because when we when we think about cost, okay, when I think about cost, we all experience cost at the gas pump these days, mm. you know. Uh, we all experience costs when it comes to buying our new uniforms and our new equipment every year and all that kind of stuff. We know that anything has a, a cost or an investment that takes place, right? Um, but sometimes we don't think about these kinds of things being costly to us. And so I, I liked your quote for this reason. It says, criticism is the cost of praise. So talk to me for a minute about that. Well, I see it as, because what happens when we get really good at something? We get praise. Mm-hmm. And when you're really good at something and someone's not, what do they want to do? Criticize. Mm-hmm. That's what happens. When you, you know, if I just speak of, let's just say my baseball team, the baseball team. If we play a team that is undefeated and we, we aren't that good, we criticize them for being, oh, well, they're mouthy or they're, you know, whatever. They're they're a 4A school, we're a 1A school or all these things, right? Instead of praising them for their accomplishments. Because that's what happens when you're at top, when you're on the top. Name name any any famous person. As soon as they tweet something that's controversial, everyone's criticizing it. Mm-hmm. They want to criticize it because they're at the top and, and the people that are criticizing are not. So that's what happens. You know, the final four officials in the NCAA men's or women's, there's another 900 of them criticizing them. You know, Major League Baseball umpires are on TV. The people can't wait to criticize Angel Hernandez. Mm-hmm. But meanwhile, none of them can get behind a plate. And even, even if Angel is at 90%, those people can't even get close to 90%. That's what they want to do. They want to criticize. They're, they're mad because so-and-so is there. And they're not. Mm-hmm. So, no, I I absolutely agree with that. And I think there are two categories that we could kind of throw this in. And so the first one, let's let's tackle with what you just talked about. Um, when fans, when coaches, when players criticize, mm. that is the cost of us doing what we do. It just is. And so if you want to say that that praise is the paycheck we get, you know. If you want to say the praise is the ability to say, I'm a high school football official, I'm a college basketball official, I'm a NCAA baseball official, whatever, whatever thing there, you know, that, that thing that we kind of hang our hat on. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's the praise that we get. That's an internal thing that we're taking and to be able to get that. The cost of that is that we are going to be criticized by fans, coaches, Mm. players. And it doesn't matter if we get it right or wrong. 
we are going to be criticized. Mm-hmm. If you are an official that thinks you never get criticized, I'm going to go on a limb and say you're not a very good official. Because you're probably just not doing anything. Yeah. Right. <laughs> or you can't hear. Yeah. That could <laughs> you know be too. I mean? right. Maybe, maybe yeah. there's hearing loss that you need to get checked yeah, out. Maybe, yeah, you're confused on, you think a criticism is a compliment. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And even the very best officials that say the coaches love, you know, you walk up to their field and the coach is like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad to see you today. This is a big game. I'm really glad you're here. Whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of us have had that experience. That's, that's a great feeling. Yep. The kid that strikes out on a called strike three in the bottom of the sixth inning doesn't think you're great and wasn't glad to see you here. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and his mom and dad sitting in the stands really don't think you're great yep. because they think you just took away his opportunity to have a full scholarship to play baseball at right. Vanderbilt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, right. I mean, that's that's what happens. That's the cost of what we do. Mm-hmm. It really is. So I, I think that's one category. And so then just let me ask you, Jeff, as somebody who's done this for a long time at a lot of different levels, um, and, and we've touched on this a little bit in the past, but how do you deal with that cost coming from players, coaches, and fans? How do you deal with the fact that that criticism is going to come from them? Some days it's hard. Some days it's hard. I think um, I would also say this, that it's harder on days when I'm getting criticized from someone that I typically don't. Mm, that's a good call. Yeah, you know I like what I mean? That. That's, that's more difficult for me to stomach because chances are maybe I wasn't as good as I thought I was or am capable of. Um, you know, and, and and when you have a mutual respect for a coach, player, um, university, whatever that is, and you don't perform or signer, you don't perform to what they think is acceptable standards, that is harder for me. How I manage that, um, you know, it's it's more it's more about continuing to to get the reps in, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the, we've, we've talked about that before. When, when you make a mistake, the first thing you want to do is get back on it. I want to go do it again, right? Yep. You know, and um, and that's that's what we want to do, right? When we call a ball, we call a strike that's, that hit the dirt twice, we got to see another pitch, you know, to make so I can get back on that horse. Um, but when I'm getting criticized for judgment or rules knowledge or whatever that may be, well, I, then I need to evaluate that. I need to honestly evaluate that with people that I respect and that will give me honest feedback, which we've we talked about that before too. When I have a play, I send it out to four people because it's it's somehow it's come across my inbox, whether I've brought it in myself or someone else has brought it into my inbox. And I want to get four people's honest opinion on it. And when I send it out, I'm expecting them to tell me that I've missed a call. So that way I can get their insights on what can I do differently to see the play better or how would you explain this rule differently? You know, um, I think you know you had mentioned about, you know, the the correct way to 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 defend a call is rule book knowledge. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's 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 the way the rule book wants us to do this. And I remember I remember distinctly it was a number of years ago, 
we had a we had a play and we went to review and um, we came out with an intentional foul and the coach was not happy about it and we just flat out say this is the way the NCAA wants us to enforce this rule. You know what I mean? So when when I get criticized by the way I respond, then I need to remember those kind of responses that worked for that coach. When I get criticized for making a block charge incorrectly, I need to investigate, okay, what how's this final four, final four official seeing this play? Where are they standing? What are they doing mechanically? When are they putting air in the whistle? All those things to help me get there. But I think the, the most important thing is, because we know we're going to get criticized, is is bouncing back from that person that you typically don't get criticized from mm-hmm. because it's still happening. Sure. A, as you said, right? That co- You may walk on the baseball field and that coach is really, really happy to see you, but now all of a sudden you miss a call in a sixth inning. He's not coming out to tell you he's really happy to see you anymore. That's right. So. Absolutely. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so I think to, to kind of close out that side of it, you know, any of us that choose to step on a field, we we acknowledge that there is going to be criticism. You know, mm-hmm. some of these people, you know, what's going on in the officiating world right now, we talked about in the in, in our last episode, some of the things that are being said, some of the things that are being done to officials on the field is not okay. I'm not talking about stuff that is egregious. I'm not talking about stuff that is unlawful, mm-hmm. you know, those right. kinds of things. But just in general, you are going to receive criticism. And so if you're willing to put on the stripes, if you're willing to put the mask on and the shin guards, if you're willing to grab the whistle, criticism is going to come. That is the cost of the praise. And whether that praise is from your fellow officials, whether that praise is from the person that assigns you given the game, whether the praise that you feel is just simply when you're able to deposit that check in the account, mm-hmm. you know, that is the cost of of that praise. But then here's the other side of it that I think is important. Um, There is a cost when you go to a camp and we're going to be talking here in a week or two about what to do at camps because we got both basketball and baseball camps coming up for a lot of people real quick. Um, When that clinician criticizes you, that's a cost, right? The praise comes when then we see the improvement that comes out of the cost, right? And it's costly to get that criticism. Like on a personal level, hmm. maybe I'm not as good as I thought I was. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm not as ready as I thought I was, whatever. But without getting that criticism, I don't know where the holes are to be able to to get better, right? And yeah. so praise comes from that. When I get the criticism from a coordinator, right? Coordinator sends me three clips and I, there were three plays that I missed and I need to go back and I need to fix it and I need to get better. I need to understand that that may eventually lead to a better schedule. Number one, if they didn't think I was worth investing in, they never would have sent me the clips to begin with. Yeah. If they thought I was a lost cause, I wasn't going to hear anything. Mm-hmm. Right. I hear sometimes people say, Oh, I'm so glad I didn't get any clips on that game. I'm <laughs> like, well, that could be a double-edged sword, you know? <laughs> right. Right. Maybe it's great. Maybe mm-hmm. it means everything went great. Or maybe it's like, okay, you know, this person was filling a hole. We really didn't want them on the game. We're not going to overwhelm them by sending them four clips, Mm -hmm. you know, but this is where it's at. So I think that what happens then is that there is that other, and I'm going to call it an investment side as much as a cost, but we know when we invest in something, we're, we're, we're paying, you know, it's costly to make an investment, but that's an area where then that investment has the opportunity to pay dividends. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to relate it to the baseball team or mm-hmm. a baseball player. And I'm going to give you two, two examples. One is a baseball team and one is a, an official. You're taking the cost of criticism to accomplish the praise when you come up to bat with bases loaded in the bottom of the seventh inning and you're down by three runs. Mm-hmm. Or you're down by one run and you strike out, you're going to get the criticism. That's the cost of trying to accomplish the praise. Yep. You have to get up and swing the bat. And if you're looking to get to the conference tournament or the conference finals or the NCAA tournament, guess what? You're going to have plenty of criticism as you're trying to reach that goal. Mm -hmm. And that's what's going to happen. Listen, I took plenty of criticism in order to get this one praise of congratulations, you made it to the conference tournament. Mm -hmm. That's That's how I see it. I see it more of that. And I think we have to be willing to accept the criticism in order for the opportunity to receive the praise. No, I I absolutely agree. And I think all of us who officiate sports, we see how that plays out in the sports arena. Mm-hmm. You know, the kid that's willing to throw the Hail Mary at the end of the football game to win the game is going to get all the praise if it's a completion and touchdown. Mm-hmm. And he's going to get blamed if he overthrows the guy by 20 yards. Yep. Why'd you make such a bad throw? Mm-hmm. You know, the pitcher that comes in to close out the game gets all the praise if he gets the final strikeout, mm-hmm. and he gets all the blame if he gives up the winning hit. Yeah. Um, and so we've we've seen that on the you know on the court on the field, uh, and and it directly relates then to what we do as officials. You know, if we go out and we blow the whistle. There's the opportunity for praise, mm-hmm. and there's the opportunity for criticism. Yep. If we call time and make an unpopular obstruction call in a tight ball game on the baseball field, well, guess what? There's going to be the opportunity for criticism. There's going to be opportunity for praise. Yeah. And the criticism may be immediate and harsh from people that are there on the field, and the praise may come two days later after the coordinator saw the video. It's mm-hmm. like, man, that's a great call. That's yep. what we have to have in our league. Yep, that's a correct call. Right, yeah. And that's... We're so afraid to take the opportunity. Just the, take take the shot. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we talk ourselves out of things. We talk ourselves, hey, you know, so-and-so just called me and they want me to go work at Juco game. I've never worked college baseball before in my life. Take a shot. Yeah. You, yeah, you might get criticized, but you also might feel some praise, mm-hmm. you know. And we're, we're missing those opportunities because we're we're so busy not shooting that listen, I can't be blamed for missing a shot if I don't take it. You know, I think that what Michael Jordan says about 100 percent of the shots you don't take or something like that. Yeah. So I just don't. I, I, as I've said before, I love when people call me crazy, and I and I want to take a shot at something. I want to do that, and I want. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Everything's contagious. So if you're hanging around people that are taking shots all the time you're going to start taking shots. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what you'll do, or you'll leave the group. Because you're like, ah, I'm, not, I'm not risking this all the time. Yep. And that when they get that, that praise over all the criticism about telling them why, I don't understand why you're doing it. I don't understand why you're 
you know, why are you working 40-point juco ball games when you could be working a, a one-point high school game? Taking a shot, and he's going to eventually feel the praise. Yeah. I, uh, I'd i like to kind of wrap up our time today, if I could, by uh, actually telling a story about Jeff uh, and where he gave the praise. Um, Jeff's baseball team had their final game of the season yep. yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was a regional game that they got to host. And, you know, there's only a select few teams that get to host a postseason game. And Jeff's team got to do that. And it, uh, unfortunately for them, did not end the way they would have liked mm-hmm. for it to have ended. Uh, but uh, they, uh, you know, great congratulations on a, on a season well played. But one of the things that they did was uh, in, in Illinois high school sports, you have to earn your spot as an official. Mm-hmm to get to the postseason, mm-hmm. and not everybody gets there, Yep. right? And so Jeff's school put together just a little a little goodie bag mm-hmm. for the umpires that were assigned to work that regional assignment. And so here are two guys that are driving in to work this game. They've got a spot for them to park. They got a goodie bag with some granola bars and candy bars and bottled water, whatever, you know, that kind of thing. Again, nothing huge, nothing amazing, but just a way to say, you know what, you are really appreciated and congratulations Mm -hmm. on getting an assignment that a lot of other people would have loved Mm -hmm. to have had, you know? Um, And so even you as a coach that had all these other things to worry about that day, recognized these guys have accomplished something that not everybody else has. Mm -hmm. They, They deserve... A little bit of praise. And you may or may not have liked half the calls they made during the game. But in that moment, you acknowledge that. I uh, had the opportunity to work a conference tournament this last weekend. And before the very first game that my crew, there were two crews working the tournament. And my crew, uh, we had the very first game of the tournament. And three of us are staying there at home plate. I was the first base umpire for that game. And uh, I looked at the other two guys. I said, do you know how many people would love to be where we're at right now? Mm-hmm. There are hundreds of officials that would love to be working a conference tournament right now. And we're in a beautiful location. We were, we're overlooking Lake Michigan. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just this beautiful idyllic park. Um, we got great teams, great conference, all this kind of stuff. Let's go out and enjoy what we've worked so hard to get to. And it was really funny because one of the other umpires after the game kind of talked to me about it, said, you know, I, I just hadn't thought of it that way. You know, just us getting the assignment was praise. Mm-hmm. Now, we still had work to do once we got there. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, but just getting it. And so acknowledging that, not only having other people acknowledge it, but us within the group acknowledge it is a, is a big deal. And I think we could be doing that in all aspects of our life. Yeah, I mean... There's lots of people that can't even find a regular job mm-hmm. or they can't land one for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. You know, you may be working for a minimum wage at the Dollar General, but there are a lot more people that would love to be able to just work 10 hours a week, man. Or even they would love to be capable of. Maybe they're stuck in a wheelchair or whatever that is. So we don't necessarily find... We're always looking at that. Oh, I can't believe I got to go work at Dollar General or whatever that is. So we, we we really struggle with that instead of realizing that 
we're lucky enough to be able to do that. We're lucky mm-hmm. enough. I had a friend um, who just, he was over for Mother's Day. Um, I didn't share this with you yet, um, but um, he uh, he started having some numbness in his right leg. Mm. Well, come to find out, he woke up next morning, couldn't operate his right leg, goes to the hospital, had a stroke. Oh, no. Right? So this guy went from, I don't know that he complained, but, you know, he's like, oh, I got to go to work. You know, I got to work. I got to work a 12-hour day. I got to do all these things to, holy cow, I just had a stroke. Now he looks at life differently. Mm-hmm. You know, he looks at life differently so much to where I said, hey, you know, I know you're kind of struggling to get around, but if you can if you can run a zero-turn mower, you can come out mow the baseball field while I work on other things. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And he was like, yes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's exciting to him because if I'd asked him two weeks ago, like, yeah, it's too hot, it's too cold, I'm too busy, I'm too whatever. Now, you know, I, I forget what the quote is. I wish I could remember it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm probably gonna butcher it, but the person that is um unhappy has everything. But the person that is happy is only worried about one thing. I, I'm, I'm saying it wrong, but the bottom line is if you're unhealthy, you're only worried about one thing, and that's being healthy. You only got one problem. That's it. That, I'm saying it wrong. But if mm-hmm. if you're a, let's say you're a healthy person, now you've got 500 problems, right? And you're and but if you just had that one problem where you're unhealthy, that'd be the only one you want fixed. Mm-hmm. So I just think that's it's interesting how we we manage that. Like, oh, here we go. I gotta get put gas in the car. I gotta do this. I gotta do that. But if you were fighting a deathly illness, you'd be like, I just want to be just want to be healthy. Yeah, I'd manage how to pay for gas or get a job or whatever that might be. So. Yeah. So take a chance, man. Take a chance. Absolutely. Everybody, I hope this has been beneficial for you. If you've got questions, send them to us at Uncommon Drive Podcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. Leave us a review, uh, give us a rating, all that good stuff. And we look forward to bringing you more content down the road. Send us those ideas for that as well. Mm -hmm. And I hope you have an awesome week as you continue your uncommon drive towards success. See ya. See everybody. Thanks for listening to the Uncommon Drive podcast. Be sure to check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And be sure to leave us a five-star rating. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, 
offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.